Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality with Sydney DeLorean. That's me. And I am so excited to be returning to the topic of one taste. Back in, I want to say 2017, when the show was still called Simone and Shu was my co-host, we did an episode about one taste. She had discovered this um, orgasmic meditation cult. I have not re-listened to that episode, so I can only guess at what I would have said, Um which is that this is pretty cool. Women deserve to have orgasms, but also it's really weird that they have to do it in a group setting because for me, my sexuality is so private. I talk about things, but like not, I'm not overly explicit. Um, and, uh, I was, I was kind of curious as to what we talked about and what I said, but also just, because we aren't friends anymore, I thought it would be kind of sad to re-listen to our friendship. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So, sorry guys. But just a, a little background on One Taste. It was marketed as organic... <laughs> organic, orgasmic meditation, and these people would go into OM sessions, as an OM, not as an OM. Um, I don't think there were sound bowls involved, um, but the man or the, uh, what do they call them? They call them research partners, would put a glove on, put lube on his fingers. The women would have their knees propped up, their legs spread open, and the guy would stroke their clits for 15 minutes. Um, and apparently they were supposed to, you know, basically it was edging. And um, at the 15 minute mark, I think you were allowed to bust your nut or maybe you could have like longer orgasms or whatever. Um, but it's pretty strict parameters to put on how to have an orgasm. The, the reason I'm revisiting this is because Netflix just put out a documentary about it called Orgasm Inc. Um, because since Shu and I recorded that episode, there has been a downfall and a backlash and an FBI investigation. Uh, so I watched the documentary and in it, the founder, Nicole Daydon, um, says that the correct way to uh, stroke a woman's clitoris is to go to the upper left quadrant. Why? I don't know. She says there's more nerves on the left-hand side than the right. Can that possibly be true? I don't believe so. But who is... I'm not saying it's not true because I haven't looked it up. I'm just presuming it's not true. And that she actually just, her preference is to have her pussy stroked on the upper left quadrant of the clitoris. But according to N Nicole Daydon, you just go up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. At various speeds, um, responding to your partner's body and like, you know, they talk about connection and learning to communicate physically, which is all great. You know who it's great for to do that, to learn how to communicate um, 
full like solely physically and sexually is partners partners in, in a trusted relationship I think it's a little bit different when you are doing this with strangers and it's like we felt so connected I could feel her breath I noticed every movement in her body every swelling um and the man or the research partner is supposed to describe to her what is happening like oh your pussy lips are swelling with blood blood you're getting so turned on like they're supposed to describe what the woman's pussy is doing um you know really connect her observe the pussy describe the pussy um which again not necessarily a bad thing in terms of women becoming comfortable with their sexuality but again probably better with a trusted partner if you have sexual issues if you have sexual trauma if you are healing from some sort of experience it is I think like I can feel wind I can hear wind passing by my microphone I don't know what's happening I'm using a different microphone setup um and it sounds good to me but then I'll hear like blusters um from my ceiling fan, which I can't get up and turn off because the dog is asleep in my lap after having an anxiety attack because I was gone for a couple hours. Sorry about it. But anyways, if you are healing from sexual trauma, um, emotional trauma, physical trauma, you know, maybe you had a, had gave birth Maybe you had a C-section, maybe you had multiple endometriosis surgeries, you know, you had something happen that detached you from your physicality, your uh, sexual organs became associated with a place of physical or mental pain. I think a sexual reawakening is probably great for you, um, but again, I think that needs to happen in a trusted relationship. Um, and doing that with a stranger is pretty radical. I think we could all agree on that. And what we learn in the documentary is that the women were encouraged to ohm with everybody. If you didn't get along with somebody, you should probably ohm with them, which I think is insane. Like imagine if like, okay, you've got your coworker that you just, you can't stand, um, for whatever reason. Imagine your boss was like, hey, uh, I know you don't get along with Larry. Um, you guys, you need to have Larry stroke your pussy because that's what is at the heart of your um, not getting along is that you probably just need to connect to Larry sexually and then uh, you'll get along. So you go do that. And because people really put a lot of faith in this Nicole lady, I mean, their whole lives inevitably became wrapped up in it. It was a cult. They were all living together. Most of them were working for the company, um, being underpaid, less than minimum wage, you know, no overtime, whatever. They were so like they couldn't just like leave. They had no resources. Um, and their whole life quote-unquote career, social circle, everything in their life was centered around one taste, which I forgot where it came from. It had to do, I, for, I forgot. I, I read about what, what one taste means and then I already forgot. Um, but so, so the leader of this person who's in control of your own life is like, hey, you need to go let Larry flick your bean and then you just do it because like that's what you've been conditioned to do. Um, and that's so crazy. And then they would also encourage the women because basically 
they needed men. They needed men in this cult because the women weren't flicking each other's beans. Um, Nicole Dedon tried to act like she'd seen different combinations of omers, but at, at, at the end of the day, she was having dudes flick ladies' beans. Um, so they needed men and the women were encouraged to also get men to pay for their classes, like manipulate them, which at that point it's sex work. If you're like, Hey, you should come to this meditation thing and you should flick my bean and you should also pay for both you, but also me to go to this retreat and it's $5,000 and you should just do that because you're going to get to flick my bean all weekend and other ladies and other ladies. Um, and so like they would tell the women, hey, you, you know, you seem really uptight or pent up, like, um, you have issues you need to work through. So you should probably go home with someone. And so like, basically, the women were told, hey, you you have shit, you got to work out. So go have one of those dudes flick your beans, right? Like, so it keeps the men having access to women, because the women are told part of your healing process, part of your uh, mental and spiritual healing process is that you need to do this oming. And so if you keep telling them they have a problem, they keep coming back. It's like a chiropractor, you know, um, keep coming back because they don't actually fix anything. Um, and all empirical studies show that I'm like a reformed chiropractor visitor and that's a whole nother story and if you really want to you can check out unbiased science pod or the jen gunther uh pod about it um i prefer unbiased science pod dr jen gunther can be a little reductive but she's very good at putting things into layman's terms um this is not what this is about. This is not about my personal campaign against chiropractors that I used to see three times a week for like my whole adult life. Um, just don't go. It increases your risk of stroke fivefold. Um, get a massage and do Pilates. Uh, what was I talking about? Okay, so so yeah, so the Nicole they don't is like telling people like, hey, you you have more work to do. You like basically uh, gaslighting them into thinking they have more problems than they have so that they go seek out getting their bean flicked. Um, and she would do this thing where she would like corner people and be like, what do you really want? And they'd be like, I want this. What do you really want? And she wouldn't stop, you know, aggressing, aggressively asking them what they really want, like trying to get the root to the root of what they really want. She would only stop when they would say that what they really wanted was to do a workshop or level up in the program. And you know why? Because that meant more money for Nicole Daydon. Um, also, just white bitches named Nicole. There's too many of them in my life and I don't like any of them. They're problematic. Um, so, and this Nicole Daydon is like such a huckster. She is a, she's like a normal looking white lady, but like on the prettier end of that, like she's hot in the way that like a young Sarah Palin was hot. Like you're just on the better looking spectrum of white ladies. It's not spectacular, but it's not bad. Um, she was a hottie for Silicon Valley where she started this shit at. Um, and she totally like picture a person who does a Ted talk. That's her. 
And um, it makes sense because she did a TED talk about orgasmic meditation. And I don't think it's wrong to inherently wrong to say like women need to embrace their sexuality and bust nuts. I think that's fucking great. I also love hand jobs, like being on the receiving end of them. So like encouraging people to engage in um, masturbating their partner, I think is really great. Um, Mutual masturbation is great. Solo masturbation is great. Just everyone should be rubbing each other off. It's so much fun and it's a nice safe sex practice um, if you are, let's say, not young and not ready for sex or, um, you know, not someone forgot the condom. It's it's a hookup. You don't have a condom. Do some hand stuff. Okay. It's fine. Or go grab a condom. I know that can kill the mood. So, um, because by the time you get in your car and drive somewhere, are you really driving back or now your head's cleared and you're like, I don't really want to hook up with this person. Um, but like hand jobs are great. So, and coming is great and women connecting their sexuality is great. Um, I am not a joiner. I don't like group activities. It is not my bag. I um, am not a joiner, okay? I'm more of a Kramer than I am a Jerry Elaine or George. I am across the hall. I pop in, I pop out. I am, and if you listen to this show, you've heard me talk about it a million times. I'm actually very uncomfortable in situations where people seem too bonded, whether it be um, church, uh, let's see, jujitsu, <laughs> Pilates studios. Like I actually am made very uneasy about that. If I, I don't want to talk to or text the person that I'm dating every day, let alone throughout the day. So the idea of doing that with a group of people is it's annoying to me and also weird. Like I don't participate in group threads. If you, um, start a group chat, I'm putting it on do not disturb and I'm barely fucking checking that shit. Um, which is why I don't have discord on my phone and I haven't logged into the sex, drugs and spirituality discord in forever because, um, there were only like five of us in that room. Let's be real. And, um, I'm just not great at that. I'm not great at group activities. And it's, yeah, like I said, my intimate partner, I don't want to talk to every day, let alone um, throughout the day. I have never understood couples that do that. Like, I really don't. I think it's maybe different if you have kids and you are communicating about, uh, are you picking this dude up from soccer or am I? Like, I get that. I'm not an idiot. Like, my autism doesn't run that deep that I don't understand. There are things that you need to communicate about throughout the day, but just about, like, normal shit, like, oh, my boss said this, or there's a new directive at work that we have to do this, or, like, whatever. Like, literally everyone I know feels the need to tell their spouse that. Like, their spouse understands their work dynamics. They understand everyone at their job. They, like something new happens, there's like a new campaign being launched and they fucking tell their partner while their partner's at work, which it's like, number one, has anything happened to you that you don't have to immediately tell somebody else? Let me just put that there, right? Um, And if you follow me on social media, you'll notice like I never put shit up there where I'm with other people or usually when I'm like doing stuff, 
I'm not posting on social media. The shit I'm posting is when I ain't doing shit and I'm not with anybody. I'm just like, here's my dog. Here's me cleaning up shit in a bathroom at work or whatever. Because um, I don't, I'm not, like, I don't feel the need to instantly communicate with the whole world about everything. And I that is so hypocritical coming from someone with a podcast who tells all my secrets behind a Patreon paywall sex drugs and patreon.com slash sex drugs and spirituality i'm not even i'm in a weird mood tonight i think i'm recording because i got out of class almost three hours early and so i'm too tired to do anything really um but also i'm not tired enough to go to bed so i figured i had already taken notes for this episode so i'll record it and then i'll do a little collaging um, with my vintage porno mags because I have a deep and fulfilling life and I don't feel like studying right now even though I feel like all of my waking hours I should be studying. I don't fucking feel like it right now. I'm going to make collages out of vintage porn because God, like this was this is my thought process. I got home and I'm not sweaty. I'm not stinky. Um, I have three extra hours to my life. I fed and walked the dog. And then I was like, oh, I could go out and meet up with my friends. Like I know what a group of my friends is doing right now that I could go meet up with them. And they are literally 10 minutes away. But rather than do that, I am going to collage out of porno mags. Um, I don't have any edibles. I, but I do have a joint that a customer gave me. So I guess I'm going to smoke a joint. I just, I, I usually don't smoke. I don't usually smoke a J. Um, but I am so broke and uh, I'm not in a place to be paying for drugs right now. Um, just listen, don't don't god forbid i space anything out in life i just feel like life is too short and i want to do everything but like don't get a divorce buy a new car spend 10 days at disney world and go back to school all within 12 months um don't do that it's a lot and it will uh and it's almost like I don't want to have money. Like right when I, I finally was like making good money and my health was on track. So my medical expenses started to go down. Um, it was like right when I had like a, a, I was financially stable. I was like, let's blow it all up. Let's live a little. I, you know, I could go out and party or I could just blow up my finances because I, um, want adventure i.e like i had to buy a car um to get around and travel in because my car was a dangerous piece of shit and like i had to go to disney world and i had to go back to school all at once um life is short man i'm telling you like the distance from 15 to 25 is 10 times as long as the distance from 25 to 35. It just like, it speeds up. And, um, I think I spent a lot of time in my life thinking I could save things for tomorrow. Like this will always be there. You can start your career tomorrow. You can start this tomorrow. And I just kept thinking like, I have time to do everything. Like I'm going to collect a degree in every one of my interests and then I'll get serious about my career ask me ask me how that's working while I'm I'm bar bartending so ask me how that's working with my little fucking uh 
portable file folder full of diplomas because I just was like, I just want to do all the things and then I'll get serious. Um, and it's like, well, you know, if I had gotten serious 20 years ago, um, I would be established in a career now. And it's all come full circle because 20 years ago I was a massage therapist, um, like literally exactly 20 years ago, I graduated massage therapy school, and now I'm about to graduate with a different degree in body work. And then in between, I just was an artist. Um, and now I'm practicing the art of the body. I am a really annoying person, to be honest with you. Like, I don't particularly like myself one bit. Um, I used to, I used to like myself more, I think. Like, I don't know. It's just like I spend... I spend so much time around people and as I realize I'm a people too, I'm as burnt out on myself as I am others. That's why I think it's so funny when people like are always like, oh, people suck. I'm like, you are people. You are people. So do you, do you have a negative outlook on other humans because you yourself are a miserable, selfish piece of shit? And usually people who can predict negative behaviors in others, it's because they have those similar criminal mindsets. Um, I'm not saying that like it's great to be so... Um, uh, what do they call it? Not a Nelly. Not a Holly Hobby. What is the word? Um, just to be so rose-colored glasses that you can't predict anything. Not a goody two-shoes either. What is the word I'm looking for? I'm yawning. It's quarter to 8 p.m. Like It's not late. Um, I'm going to scream it out as, after I get back to talking about orgasmic meditation. So anyways, the secret that came out in this fucking documentary well a lot came out but the biggest one is that when we first heard of um dude it is like when Scientologists you get to a high enough level that you find they tell you about um like the alien shit you know what I mean but they have to make sure that you're really in it to win it they have enough blackmail on you that you'll never leave and tell people about it like they have they need to make sure you are in deep enough that number one you will buy whatever they fucking feed you but number two they have enough dart like blackmail material that like even if you did decide to blab your mouth they, they'll destroy you so you won't out of fear so apparently when you got into the inner 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 circle of one taste this is where you found out it was not just the beans getting flicked I repeat it was not just the beans getting flicked the men were getting hand jobs too but they didn't want that and this cult was, it's a cult of the modern era. So there's marketing involved. It ran like a tech startup kind of. Yeah. I mean, listen, they all live together. What do you think Google is doing by giving people a gym and a cafeteria and laundry services at work? They're making that your whole life. So you're totally dedicated to them. Um, so like this fucking cult ran like a tech startup, a lot of marketing involved, and they knew they couldn't have it in the forefront that dudes got jerked off to, that dudes could orgasmically meditate because then there would be an influx of just gross dudes looking to get free hand jobs because 
yeah, why not, right? Like the amount of women who will go to a rub and tug massage parlor is so microscopic compared to the amount of men who will. And I know this as somebody who's done a lot of research on rubmaps.com, they yelp for hand jobs. That it's much more rare to find a uh, rub and tug parlor where they'll um, fiddle your skittle if you're a lady. And so they didn't want this to be public knowledge that men could quote unquote orgasmically meditate and get hand jobs from ladies because it's going to throw off the vibe and it's going to taint public perception. If it's only about women and female pleasure, it becomes something of empowerment, kind of like in the way that women are still like allowed to sexually objectify men, but it's becoming more taboo for men to objectify women. And it's just that role reversal that comes before things become more equal. Um, Look at the history of America, politics and culture in terms of sex and race and disability where, um, you know, there's always like the people who are like, why do I have to hear so much about these goddamn queers? It's like, well, because like, it's been awful for them for forever. And in order to balance out the scales, like the tide has to rise really high and then it'll come back down. You know what I mean? Um, but it just is what it is. So you can still have a cult that's like, yeah, like men are in service of women, but like, it was also pre- presented as a positive experience for the men, like learning how, again, like I probably was super into this idea on the first episode, like learning how to focus exclusively on the woman's pleasure, um, which is amazing. Like I had a partner um, had past tense. So don't feel sorry for me who like, wouldn't give me foreplay. Cause he was like, well, if we do all that, I lose my boner. Like I lose my boner really easily. Um, so like, cause we would like kiss and then he would strip naked and lube up his dick and like want to shove it in. Like it was the old kiss and stick, which is what teenage boys do. But this was a grown ass man. And he did that because he was like, well, if, cause if we wait, like I lose my boner. And I was like, okay, but if we don't wait, I never get my boner, meaning I don't get wet. Like you could play with my pussy, play with my tits. You could go down on me. Um, and like, I had to explain it to him in a way, like maybe it just, sometimes it's about you and sometimes it's about me. Like I had to explain that. Like I was talking to a child. (sighs) Why do I ever, why did I ever date again? Please tell me that. Um, but I had to explain it like I was talking to a child. Like sometimes you do things for other people, especially if you care about them. And if you care about me, maybe you want to get me off. And like ultimately like that never really worked. And um, it's very easy to feel like if someone doesn't care whether or not you come, like they still want to have sex with you, but they don't care about your sexual pleasure. It's very easy to construe that they do not care about you. Um, because if your sexual pleasure is part of you and your life and your desire, um, And there's only within a monogamous relationship, there's only one person you can turn to to have those desires fulfilled and they are refusing to do that. It's very easy to be like, well, you don't care about me. Like, cause if I went and had somebody else do this for me, 
you, I would be the bad person because that's cheating, but you won't do it. So like, and it's very like in that, in that way, sex is so weird because it's like pretty much anything else in life. It's okay to seek servicing outside of the home, right? I don't expect my partner to be able to massage me or um, serve as a personal trainer for me or cut my hair or like anything. Like I really don't. Um, When I woke up today, my boyfriend was already gone and it was because he went to get me breakfast. Um, And that was amazing. But if he didn't get me breakfast, I'm allowed to go get my own, right? But um, if you have a partner who doesn't get you off, you're not allowed to, if it's a monogamous relationship, you're not allowed to go get that done outside of the home. Uh, So anyways, I think, you know, in a way it's like, okay, this is really cool. Like it's men focusing on female sexual pleasure. And the men interviewed were like, I feel like I really grew. It's really nerdy, cucky type men who are like nervous around girls, didn't know how to get girls off, like whatever. And like, obviously this provided a safe space for them to learn how to pleasure a woman. And that's a very useful skill for a man that will give him a lot of confidence. If you are not rich or tall or good looking or, you know, whatever, um, shout out to all my small dicked kings out there you know that I don't mind a micro penis who gives a fuck um but like if you are insecure about those things and but you learn how to flick a bean you know you learn how to lick a bean like if you know how to get a woman off then like it, it gives you a certain stride in your step and confidence when then approaching women romantically um and also it really will like Dude, good sex, you, you'll you overlook some shit, for real. Like, how do you think that broke-ass musicians get laid all the time? Because they know how to lay, lay down the pipe. You know what I mean? They know how to make love passionately. They, they Here's the thing about most musicians. They fuck everyone like you are in love, like passionate love. It's very, they're very passionate love makers. They're very passionate people. And so if you have sex with one, it's very easy to think like they're in love with me and I'm in love with them. But the thing is like the next night they'll do that to someone else and they'll have all y'all paying their bills. Um, (laughs) This is where I get comments like "Uh, the host of this show is number one, annoying. Number two, talks about herself. And number three, has a bias against musicians. Um, (laughs) I said what I said. Um, So anyways... They put on the forefront this female empowerment shit about getting your bean flicked. And then if you made it to the inner circle and were trusted, that's when you found out that you also got tug jobs. And like the Nicole de Don would sometimes like go in and tug you off herself and like hold you like a baby and tug tug the dudes off. Um, and one of the dudes was like, yeah, as it was happening, like it felt really good and it felt really special. And I also like was very aware of the fact that she was imprinting. Um, she was imprinting herself on me as though I were her mother in this like new awakening that I was going through. Um, and these people who do this, like, well, I think that they know what they're doing, but also I think that they, um, no one sets out to be like, I am evil. Like they think they're do-gooders, right? Like I'm helping people bust nuts. I'm helping people deal with trauma. I happen to be getting insanely rich off of it. Um, no big. Um, 
And so, but yeah, like that is a way to be like, oh my God, this lady who's so famous and rich and at the head of this company tugged me off. Like I must be special because Nicole de Don jerked my penis. Um, oh God, I'm so glad like I'm not that way. Like I never feel fucking smiled upon. I did make big Frida some custom fanny packs that I brought to her at a concert in 2013 and had her security give to her. And she came back into the venue to thank me and give me a hug. And that did feel really special. Um, but just because I was like, you're a really good person. And like, I wanted to do something nice for you. And I was not expecting reciprocation. And the fact that you went out of your way to say thank you to me, it was like really special. Um, I didn't think that I was blessed. You know what I mean? Um, but maybe she got me off. Uh, <laughs> this new thing, like this new mic sounds really good and has less room noise, but it really picks up the breath sounds a lot. So I apologize. I'll get a um, muffler for it. Uh, I'll get a mic Merkin to muffle the sound. Um, so anyways, dudes get hand jobs, whatever. And then Nicole wants to do a performance in front of investors, Silicon Valley investors, high ticket. Um, and I should say also in terms of money, like she's having people pay for these classes, Scientology style, like people are getting into five figure debts. Um, they're taking out credit cards, they're taking out loans, like they're destroying themselves financially in order to pay for courses because they think that that is a path to betterment and it's what everyone around them is doing. And it's so funny because I like, I love learning and I love school, but like also if okay, like if all the people I graduated, like I'm in a small program right now, there's 11 of us in this graduating class. If all of us decided to then go to like the next school together, and like then we just spend the, the next year, we're all in a different school together that's costing us 10 grand, and then the next one and the next one, it starts to like bleed of culty, right? If you're doing it together, if I finish this program and decide that I want to go get, you know advanced training in scoliosis management like that would be one thing but if we all do it together and if you try to say no and people are like but come on we're all gonna go spend a month in California learning how to work with people with scoliosis everyone else is doing it I'm like whoa 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 you know what I mean like let's diverge okay we don't need to all do all the same things and then I'm jealous because like well so and so did this advanced program like there's an annual Pilates retreat that's like 10 grand to go to and it's held near the vacation home of Joseph Pilates the inventor of Pilates go fig um, but it's like he held near his vacation home and it's insanely expensive and all these people come from around the world and I don't doubt that there are continuing education classes and opportunities to meet people who um, do work that you admire but the idea of like spending ten thousand dollars to go do Pilates in a field with other people it's a little weird to me I'm going to be honest. It's going to like, it's, it's weird. Conferences are fucking weird. Um, and if you are all in mentally on them, that makes you even weirder, right? Like if you spend this, if you're a little kid and your parents send you to fat camp for the summer and not once do you try to eat cheap food, like you just, you're all in, you're like losing weight is everything. I just want to lose weight. I just want to exercise. And you don't eat like one cupcake all damn summer because you're so dedicated to the cause. I think that's problematic. 
I think being totally focused on anything in life or um, devoted to anything in entirety where it, it dominates your whole life, it's your work, it's your social circle, it's all this stuff, it is kind of weird. Um, and don't, you listen, don't take my advice on anything. I don't have a lot of friends. <laughs> like all, like all the women in my program will be like meeting up. Like, I feel like they interact with each other more than I interact with them. And they like, will get together and do things. And, um, you know, ultimately my work schedule drives a wedge between me and other people, especially normies. But like, even if I have a day off, like I don't have money to go get brunch. Um, and I probably just want to be alone because I've spent all week around people. So like, I don't know. I don't know how to bond. I don't know how to build relationships. I don't know how to do any of it. And I think about it sometimes like my poor fucking boyfriend. And the only reason that um, he thinks that we are in a great relationship is number one, I'm super hot and horny. Um, and I am independent and like, I'm a really admirable woman, but in terms of a relationship, I don't think I give a lot emotionally, um, to the relationship. And the only reason that he is happy, uh, with the crumbs I give him is like, he was in a really, really badly abusive relationship before me for 10 years. And, um, so to him, like the fact that I don't hit him or throw things at him or scream at him or, uh, withhold communication, like there, there's like, a, it's not like, um, hyperbolic, like he was in a, what would be objectively be described as an abusive relationship. And so the fact that I'm just not that, is wonderful to him. Like I am wonderful to him. However, if he were a less broken person, he might realize like, oh, like she openly says she never wants to live together. She doesn't want to be a parent to my, like, or a step parent to my children. Like she openly says all of these things that she is not into that are part of normal relationships. I discuss my desire to move out of state independent from him, like all of these things, you know what I mean? Um, which are not things that normal people in traditional relationships do, but, um, because I'm not abusive to him I am a saint um and like that I guess that kind of works right because um I'm straightforward about where I'm at I don't pretend that I have more to give than I I do and like like I said I'm hot I'm independent I'm horny but if you need a lot of emotional connection or communication or anything like that like I'm not an ideal partner um, cause why would I talk to you? I can just talk to strangers on the internet. Um, what was I saying about this and broken people? Um, and so, so what was, so the people who are, who join cults, I think feel really lost. And it just reminds me of, so I read Helter Skelter when I was 14 or 15, which it turns out that Helter Skelter, which is a book written by Vincent Bugliosi about the Manson murders. He was the prosecuting attorney and it's a very well written true crime book, but I would almost call it a true crime novel because it turns out most of what he said wasn't true. And he was a huckster and you can read, um, chaos by Tom O'Neill. 
uh, which I gave my copy away, but I, I, I might buy it digitally. It is such a thrilling book if you are into anything, cults, government, conspiracy, FBI, California in the 60s. Like it's really fascinating. Um, but but I digress. I digress. Um, so not knowing any of that, when I read Helter Skelter at age 14 or 15, I remember thinking that I could relate to the people who joined the cult because they were so lost and broken and confused. And I remember being drunk at a house party and my mom called to check in on me and I answered the phone for whatever reason because um, it's pre-cell phones. I am elderly, okay? If that gives you any inclination of how old I am, I was a teenager drinking and partying and there were no cell phones. Um, like people had them, but like rich people in their car. There wasn't... <sighs> Oh my God, the ADD on this one. So anyways, I remember my mom called and I like was just so wasted and I started crying and I was like, mom, like what's wrong with me? I can relate to these people. Like I understand what it means to be so lost and scared and confused. And who knows what my mom did. I think she just made me another appointment at a psychiatrist's office. But like ultimately what I would have said as a parent is, um, I can tell you are drunk. Let me come pick you up. Also, being lost and confused at 15 is totally acceptable. What I never understand about these cult documentaries is before you develop a sense of self, before you heal from trauma, before yada, 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 I understand people have deficits in their life where they feel lost. They seek guidance. You know, um, when I joined the military, this is where people start saying I'm, I have a fake life history. When I joined the military, um, in the delayed entry program when I was 17, what I was seeking was like, I felt like I was in college at that point. I was failing at college. I was failing at holding down a job. Like I just couldn't seem to do things right. My family was fucked up. My just everything was fucked up. And I thought to myself, well, if I join the military, I'll have a job, I'll have a place to live, I'll have friends, a family, and an education. It's all built in. Like it really appealed to me because I felt so lost in all regards, which is totally normal for a young person, right? But what always baffles me, and I don't mean to judge people on their mental health journeys, but like when people are in their 30s and they are still so lost and confused and they don't know who they are and they fall they fall prey to charismatic leaders. Like I just don't I don't get it. Like you haven't wisened up and maybe it's, you know, I grew up reading so much. Like I read psychology books. I read history books. I read books about cults and murders. Like I just read all the time. And I think because this is where it comes out that like maybe I do actually have the autism I'm accused of having because like I didn't learn about people from people. I learned about it from reading books about people. But like I just feel like I just you you grow up and you experience life and you experience people and you learn things and you listen to other people's stories and you learn from that. And then you aren't a naive dumb fuck that gets rid of everything you own 
in order to have money to pay for classes on how to bust the nut, which apparently involves just the upper left quadrant of your clit, up, down, up, down, up, down. And I'm like, okay, first of all, the clit, we're dividing into quadrants now. And why does this one area get all the attention? If, if you're oming five times a day, like this bitch would tell people to, like, you're going to rub the skin off. And we've all done it. We've all, every, well, <laughs> we've all done it. Most women I know can relate to the experience of having a free day and just beating off all day. And like, yeah, sometimes you like rub your skin raw and it's tender. Like you just beat off so much that you can't. And so like if you just five times a day, you're having someone just on one specific area of your female anatomy, up, down, up, down, up, down. Um, I feel like you're going you're gonna to wear it out. But, but, but Nicole, that's how Nicole came. So that's how she thinks everybody comes. Um, but like, you're literally a grown ass adult and you have so much combined unresolved trauma and hurt and loss and emptiness, um, coupled with naivete that you are going to sell everything you own to take beat off classes like what the fuck are you you know what I mean like and I get I get feeling lost and empty and confused but also like you as a grown adult are not wise enough to realize like this is fucking crazy this is fucking crazy like you think that you're a revolutionary because you're getting an orgasm from a stranger in a room full of other women. You're all coming together because it's it's 15 minutes. It's so regulated too. That's the weird thing. Um, but I guess that's part of formalizing things because you can't just be like, it's we're we're a self help group. We fuck because then it's just like it's an orgy. You're swingers or whatever. So you have to like make it formal. Um. So it seems to have some legitimacy. Okay, so I didn't even get to the point about her. Okay, like 20 minutes ago, I talked about how she was going to do a special performance for investors where Nicole Dedone herself was going to ohm in front of an audience. And so people paid, I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars to go to this shit. And it was a big deal. They opened with an occult ritual. You know, she had people in the organization with everyone had special talents and backgrounds. And this guy with a background in like theatrics helped her put together a whole occult ritual to open the show, which then was her getting her bean flicked in front of an audience and her watching her come. And like, how egotistical do you have to be that you think watching you come is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, like special event? You can see anyone come on the internet, but this is me and I'm special. This is why you can't let white bitches get too powerful. I'm not, that was real sexist. I'm like, you got to keep them a little bit down. But also, do you understand the ego and the scariness of, of a white bitch who thinks she understands health and wellness? It's not good. It's not good. So she comes in front of all these investors and that is, I think, problematic, but also good for her for getting money. Like if I was a famous enough podcaster that people would pay $500 for a Polaroid of my asshole, you better fucking believe I'd be selling like autograph Polaroids in my fucking asshole. Um, I don't want to work as hard as I work, man. Like 10, 11 hour shifts of bartending in a crowdy bar and I still don't have a savings account. Like not complaining, not complaining because this isn't a victim story. Speaking of victim stories, 
Nicole de Don believed that there was no such thing as a victim. And the only way to fight back against rape was to accept it and welcome it. Okay, so like if you're being raped, you need to lean into it and find the pleasure in it. Um, she also believed that people, women were raped or beaten because their body was asking for that. And so like this one woman who in the documentary tells her sister's story, and I looked it up for further details. Basically, these two sisters were raised together in an abusive, sexually and sexually abusive home. And one of them found her way to one taste because she was a victim of childhood sexual assault. So she had obviously a lot of sexual problems. And when she would be beaten by her boyfriend or sexually assaulted, she was told by Nicole and others in the organization, well, your body was asking for it. Like that's what you're trained to want. You were trained to want that and your body was asking for that. So you can't blame the perpetrator of the abuse because you were asking for it, which is so insane. Like she says at one point, she, Nicole's like, I'm going to get shirts made that say I got raped and all I got was a victim story. Um, like making fun of it, like laughing at sexual abuse and saying that people, it's like, oh, you get raped and then you just, that becomes your identity and people like to tell their victim story and think of themselves as a victim. Well, like, guess what? If you're victimized by a crime, you are a victim. Like if you, if your house is robbed, you're a victim of robbery. Um, if the, I've been hit by twice by drunk drivers in my life and had cars totaled and I was a victim of that drunk driver. Do you understand? You are a victim. If someone rapes you and murders you, you are a victim of that crime. You're fucking dead. The idea that she's like, well, people want this and you just need to learn how to like it. And um, it comes out that uh, Nicole Daydon was a former high-end escort and she's very open about it. And she talks about having a client who... Um, like is like has a strangling fascination and how to pleasure that client she just needed to relax and let him do it just let him strangle her not be scared of it not set up parameters not have a safe word you know any of the stuff that happens in safe sexual practices like sometimes it's like man sex workers and like bdsm people are so much more ahead of the layman in terms of like setting ground rules beforehand like having open sexual communication um but Nicole was like no you don't do that you just submit and let them do what they're gonna do and then she's like and the guy he strangled me and strangled me and then he just broke down crying because he was just a little baby inside he was just a little sweet baby and that's what men are is they're just these sweet babies inside of beasts and it's like he probably broke down crying because he had a, a like an obsession with wanting to strangle a woman to death and then he didn't go through with it and then he felt scared of himself like oh my god I'm capable of killing someone and I want to and I don't want to but I want to you know what I mean um it's like me with cookies like I don't want to eat a whole box of cookies but I want to but I don't want to and then if I eat all of the cookies and there's only like five left and I throw them away and I start crying because it's like I have it in me to eat that whole box of cookies and who does that um City DeLorean brings everything back to her, including rape, sexual assault, and murder. She relates it to her own unhealthy relationship with food. Um, 
so yeah, I just couldn't believe that she's like, she's very excusatory of like men. And this is like the same thing that happens, happened in, um, Nexium, where it's like, well, men, you have to submit to men, you have to be obedient to men. And why does it like every religion, like it's in the second Paul, second John, the second, I forget, it's been a long time since I left the church, but like one of the determining factors in me after being raised super religious and leaving was like things about you have to be submissive to your husband. Um, and even if your husband isn't submissive to God, you have to listen to him. And it was like, I was like, wait, what? What's all this submissive stuff? Uh, no, thank you. Um, but it, it, it becomes about submitting to men and male control, which is so funny because we have, I think I talked about on the last episode about foot binding, about internalized misogyny. And like here we have it again where you have these women in Nexium. Uh, what was the subsect called where they were Doth, Doth? dominant over submissive yeah dos they had this subsect it's all women and yet it still reverts back to being obedient to a patriarch and so here it is this is a so allegedly a woman-centered thing um it's about women's sexual pleasure and discovery or whatever and then it's like, oh, no, but you get really into it. And it's like, uh, yeah, like you're supposed to let men rape you. You're supposed to let them beat you. You're supposed to let them do whatever the fuck they want um, because that's just who they are. It's their beast. They had like mugs made about like something about accepting the beast. Um, so it's very it was very, very weird and so gross that this lady um, was a rape apologist, almost like encouraging it because if you apologize for something too much, it's you're, it, you're condoning it. Um, and then it comes out that her father was a pedophile who went to jail on 52 counts of child molestation. And she does not say whether or not he molested her. So I cannot speculate on that. I think you would assume that he molested her, but also sometimes child molesters have boundaries when it comes to their own children. Um, I found out as an adult that my stepdad was a pedophile and then it made sense about when he used to get drunk and be like, I was a good parent. I never molested you. And I thought it was a really off color joke. And then finding out that he was a pedophile, I'm like, oh yeah, that was like really hard for him. Cause he, and he was super protective about me being around other adult men because he thought everyone wanted to molest me. Um, which, you know, whatever, be vigilant, but also he probably thought everyone wanted to molest me because he was a child molester. So he thought everyone else had those same desires. He was projecting. Um, so like, you know, I guess, uh, based on my firsthand personal experience, you can be raised by a pedophile who does not molest you, um, and only does things outside of the home or tries to control it or whatever. Uh, but, um, so I don't know if her husband molest or her husband, her dad molested her or not. Um, but 52 counts is a lot of counts and you know, there's like more, like it's never like people are brought to trial and convicted on counts, but like, they'll be like, listen, if you plead guilty to X, Y, and Z, we won't press charges for A, B, and C. Um, so you know that if he did 52 counts of bad things, he probably did way more. Um, and she's like, well, I just never took on the belief that he was a bad person. It's just that he was too expansive for this dimension. 
do you want to throw up? Do you want to murder this woman? Do you want to murder this woman? I want to murder her. Not only is she a rape apologist, she is a pedophile apologist. And I think the one thing that everyone can agree on is that pedophilia is so wrong. Like, it's so wrong. You can be like, oh, well, these adult women joined this cult where they were being used or sexually coerced or manipulated, um, but they're adults. But like when you get to this woman not only excusing the um, behavior of rape and battery, but then she's like, yeah, my dad, he wasn't a bad guy. He just was too expansive for this dimension. What the fuck does that mean? What the fuck does that mean? And this is the prime example of hurt people hurt people is this woman was probably raised in a really unhealthy, abusive home. I can only imagine, right? Her dad's in jail for being a pedophile. And then she goes into sex work where her specialty is like letting people do awful, awful things to her for money. And she like brags about it. Like, yeah, well, this guy did that. And he paid me a lot of money. He paid me a lot of money. It's like, no, like that's fucked up. I don't care how much money is involved. That's not healthy. Um, and so then she goes on to start this cult where she now it's, it's like generational abuse, you know, like someone's molested by their parent and they end up molesting their kids. Like we've all seen the movie precious. Um, but (laughs) God, that's that's such a dark movie. Um, and I, I've, I've known people who came from families like that and that's, just fucking so sad and crazy. Um, uh, sorry, I made myself really sad. Um, but, uh, so yeah. And then, so she goes on as she, she is, I assume a victim of abuse as a child. And then as an adult, she goes on to not only apologize for the behavior of abusers, but perpetrate abuse, right? Be like, well, you have to go home with that person. Or I know that person punched you in the face and gave you a black eye, but you need to like tug him off and he needs to flick your bean like you need to sexually connect because I mean obviously you having a problem with his abuse is your problem and maybe if he flicks your bean you'll get over it um I just can't with this lady I just can't she's so awful she's so awful and she's so smug I hate people who talk about things as if they know the answers to everything like I just, no matter how smart and educated you are, like, and, and I also do find that the smartest people don't talk like this. It's just idiot fucking narcissist psychopaths who are like, um, sorry, I'm going to cry. I'm just thinking about awful people, um, that I've known. Um, uh, but like the people who are like this, like they aren't, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. The more certain someone sounds about what they're talking about, the less I believe them, to be honest with you. Um, you know, unless they are an expert in a field, but like this lady is like out here. She's so smug. She's so smug. She's like, this is that you need to do this. You need to do that. Like you need to do a, a workshop. You, and all of it involves all of the things that these people need to do to heal involve lining her fucking pockets. And it's like, you know what she should have done with all this money? You know what she should have done before starting this cult is taken the money that she got from being strangled and um, spent that on therapy, but instead she became an abuser herself. One of her followers, the lady whose sister was interviewed, 
in the documentary, allegedly to help her get over her sexual trauma, they solicited for rapists like on dating apps and hired people to rape this lady. Like she didn't consent to it at all. They hired people to rape her as part of her healing therapy. Just like let that sink in. This is why I will never, you will never find me hanging out and living where I work. Um, I, I love strong dividing lines. My first like bar bar job, like not bartending at a restaurant, but bartending at a bar 12 years ago, the owners were like, you really need to come in on your days off and become part of the community. Like you need to connect because it was like a neighborhood bar. And at the time I was 26 years old, I was a full-time art student during the day. And this was a bar for people in their like 60s, like 50s and 60s, like grizzled old bar drunks. And I did it a couple times, but I just was like, this is not my vibe. This is not my scene. These are not my people. Like I will be kind and loving and take care of them while I'm at work. I give great customer service, but like, I'm not going to hang out here on my days off. I'm not going to go to their housewarming parties. And it's really hard because I get, you know, people invited me to things where it's like I don't need to go to your kid's graduation party like I barely know you like I didn't know you had a kid because you live here who's raising your kid because you live at a bar um and so I just am very um strict uh, I have a strict separation of uh of things like I would never um, like I've had when I was, you know, getting before I moved in with Zach. Um, and then after we broke up, like I would have people be like, who are bar regulars and they live in the neighborhood behind the bar and they, you know, would say, I have a room for rent or I have a back house for rent. And I just was like, I don't really, you know, sometimes when I'm broke, I'm like, man, I should have, I'd be saving seven, $800 a month if I had moved in with that person. But also then I'd be living with you know what I mean? I would feel like I never left work. Um, I've been pretty open about how I I don't like I moved. I live right down the street from my work now. Like I'm about 10 minutes and I used to live 40 minutes away. And not that I loved having a 40 to 45 minute commute to work, but it was really nice that like when I went out shopping or to the gym, anything I did, my whole life was so separate from work. Um, that on my days off, I didn't even think about work. And now where I live, like I see people I know everywhere I go because I've been bartending in central Phoenix for 20 years. And even then it's just like, I don't want to see, I just like, I, I like my partner to be separate from my friend group and my friend group to be separate from my coworkers and like all of it, all of it separate. And so the idea that it's like you are, um, you're just like you're you join this cult okay like you're like oh yeah I like to come that'd be cool uh I have some sexual issues you know I feel really ugly getting divorced I I, I want to know what it feels like to like be beautiful and come um and you go to like a meeting and you're like cool this is cool and then you start going like a couple times a week because like it's fun to bust nuts and then they're like hey like you um oh you're a videographer we've been looking for a videographer. Like you could be our videographer. Like, oh, we don't pay very much, but you can live here for free. You can live in this room, this giant room with bunk beds for free. And so, yeah, we're only going to pay you 24 grand a year, but you won't really need money because you get to live with everyone and you get to live with everyone and you get to come with everyone and you call people of the opposite
opposite sex your research partner because you're doing self-research every time you bust on each other's hands. And at least they were using gloves and lube, and that's wonderful. Um, how long have I been talking? I hope the audio quality is listenable on this. I, it's just, you know, I'm playing around with things to get the audio to work correctly. Um, and I, and, and has this been a largely tangential thing that it just involves me saying phrases like flicking a bean and busting a nut. And, uh, it's mostly been that, you know, I'm going to release the, um, bust edit, which is just me, you, every clip of me saying, a different word for orgasm or masturbation. Um, so, you know, in conclusion, it, I know, you know, it's, I'm a semi-practicing Satanist. So, um, my opinion is skewed, but if you feel lost or scared or empty or broken, the chances are that the answers that you need to heal are inside of yourself. Um, and reaching for external ways to heal internal wounds does not work. So whether it be religion, um, sh drugs, alcohol, shopping, sex, like whatever it is that you think that like will heal you um, or distract you from your pain is probably a, a maladaptive um, coping mechanism and that you can probably find the answers and set yourself on your own course of healing. Um, you just need to look inside, which is really uncomfortable. Uh, and I know I listened to this episode or I opened this episode saying that I wouldn't listen to the old episode about one taste because I didn't want to hear me being happy with a, someone I used to be friends with. Um, so like, I understand what it's like to avoid emotions. Um, why do you think that I, I just, I work out and I read, uh, you know, uh, but, um, at least I'm not religious. <laughs> uh, you know, Satanism is an, I isn't, well, Levian Satanism is an atheistic religion, meaning that, um, they believe that religion is all theater of the mind and that these deities are created um, from your own beliefs. And I think that all you need to know to see that is true is um, interact with a fundamentalist Christian who will tell you that things are sins or the Bible says things are wrong that are not even mentioned in the Bible. Um, it's just the person doesn't like those things. So they believe it to be ungodly because their idea of God is a personal, is a projection of their own beliefs. So they're like, well, God says it's wrong to be gay or the Bible says that's wrong, but really the Bible makes no mention of that. And maybe they find a text that they can misinterpret to, um, support their belief, but it's all grasping at straws from a text um, to support their already held belief. Um, religion, I think, is a great example of confirmation bias, um, where you just, people cherry pick it, they pick a religion and they cherry pick things about it to support what they already know. What they, or well, I shouldn't say what they already know, what they already believe. Um, because 
people to them like it's a lot of people like they they know things to them it is a truth even though to others it is objective um subjective sorry i maybe i should i should fucking stop recording and smoke a joint um but yeah so i just think that's very interesting and that um if you have trouble seeing inside yourself do some psychedelics (laughs) go back to the archives and listen to my episodes about um mdma or um psilocybin (sighs) or lsd um because those are tools that either alone if you're an advanced person if you have experience with meditation um or in a clinical setting or in a safe setting with um a guide those are tools that can help you look inside yourself and and learn the uncomfortable truths that you are avoiding um right now i think that i'm not in a position to um reveal certain truths to myself and um i need because here's the thing here's why here's why we deny ourselves why we avoid things because if we see truths inside ourselves or find the root of our discomfort that would mean that we are then compelled to change it, right? So if you admit to yourself that your spouse is abusive, that means that you have to you have to get a divorce. And like what does that mean? That means having joint custody or visitation only with your children. It means being financially less stable. It means figuring out how the fuck to pay for a divorce. It means so many things. Like you have to separate your finances and your living situation and just everything from another human being and that is difficult and messy and on the other side of it your quality of life might be lower um and I'm saying this while looking into a mirror at myself right is that coming to the realization that my last relationship was not a happy place to be it was a comfortable place to be but I um I don't want to unpack that. You can fucking subscribe to Patreon if you want to unpack that with me. But like then it compelled me to then I had to make changes, which were really uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like I fought through so much with my health and to come out the other side of it and go, fuck, now I have to get through the other side of this relationship too. And it means that I'm broke and I live in a shoebox and I don't have a yard and like it me you know what I mean like it I it was an uncomfortable truth and it would and I think it was something that my partner and I lived with for a long time but maybe he didn't want to break up with me because I was sick and that would make him a bad person or you know he I, I think that we both just thought that things would maybe magically change on their own and then we wouldn't have to disrupt our life, which was very comfortable and, you know, we had a strong friendship and so we denied, tried to avoid thinking about the things that were lacking between us. Um, and so, like, if I were to show myself... And there's uncomfortable truths in my life that I'm fully aware of right now. And it's just like I am not in a position to change those things. Um, so I, I, cannot, I cannot dwell on the fact that that is true. 
You know, it's like, listen, don't ignore a lump in your breast. You want to get that handled before it metastasizes. But if it's something that isn't going to grow, it's 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 not going to grow and metastasize. It's going to be a problem that stays the same level of problem. But it's not your biggest problem. It's like deal with the biggest ones first and then you can taper down to the little ones, right? Deal with the boulders, then the rocks, then the pebbles. Um, and so uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, just basically like there's I, there's like several steps that I'm on the road to completing in my life. And when those things are done and I am in a position to come face to face with the uncomfortable things in my life, the things that I don't like that do need to change, the patterns that I'm in. Like when I, when I am in a place to deal with those, I am going to the desert and I'm taking so many fucking mushrooms on a solo camping trip, maybe with a friend. Um, and I am going to unravel all of that because I will be in a position to deal with it. Right now, I'm not. Right now, if I start unraveling things, it's just I'm going to have a mess. I'm going to be tripping over yarns. I'm looking at a blanket I'm making right now. I'm crocheting this blanket for the past seven fucking years. I'll finish it one day. Um, but like, do you understand if I were to unravel that and I don't have time to roll it up neatly in a ball, I'm just going to be tripping over all this yarn. So I got to, you, you know what I mean? You got you to gotta wait one thing at a time, deal with it, but also like... I know from personal experience for me that I can find the answers to the things within myself um, because gurus are false. The idea of putting anyone on a pedestal is so fucked up. Um, you, the idea of worshiping another human being is insane. When you watch these documentaries like the Bikram one or whatever and you're like, yeah, he's just a person. And then a person given power will exploit it. They just will. It just happens. Maybe they all don't, but it seems like if, you know, if the cookie's in front of me, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> and if fucking the ability to manipulate and take advantage of people is in front of a sociopath who worked themselves into a position of power, they're going to do it. Um, and so uh, I just think that... Um, you are smarter and stronger than you give yourself credit for. And you can probably find the answers within and healing can obviously be facilitated by talking to friends. Although don't listen, don't fucking make other people your personal therapist because like they aren't getting paid for that shit. That's why, that's why we have therapy. So like if you, you find within yourself what you need, to, what, what identify what needs to be healed. Okay. The first step is admitting you have a problem. Uh, but then, you know, just set your set your course where it needs to be. And with the help of um, therapists, obviously, books, research, personal testimonials. I think that's the main thing is I learned so much from reading. Um, I read a lot of autobiographies. Um, hey, listen, if you're feeling like a weak ass bitch, just get David Goggins first book. Can't hurt me. I haven't read the second one yet. It just came out. But like I, I read a lot of biographies and I find a lot of inspiration in how people chose to navigate things in their lives. And also when people discuss the mistakes that they made and it's like it gives me a perspective of my own life. 
I'm just talking now to hear myself talk. I, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. Happy, happy motherfucking hump day. I gotta smoke some weed, you guys. I'm so annoying. Sorry. Bye. <laughs>